All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's so good to have everybody here in Florence. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg, everybody at our Souls campus. It's good to have you guys with us. And everybody else watching online, if you're a Faith Church family, you're just tuning in, we just want you to know, man, we're glad you decided to be with us. Come on, we said every week, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe you open up your life to Jesus. It will be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people know that's true? Come on. Hey, just want to let everybody know again today, following the service, if you've not yet taken a step to be water baptized and celebrate Jesus in your life, you can do that today. Whether you came prepared or not at any of our campuses, we are ready for you. Would love to celebrate you taking the next step in your spiritual journey and being baptized today before you go home. Don't go home dry. Go home wet. Amen. Hey, listen, one other thing real quick. We closed the series last week entitled Habits with issuing this 90-day tithe challenge. And I just want to remind you, listen, if you're new in your spiritual journey or you've been in church a long time and you've had a hard time trusting God and walking a path of generosity, we're really making it easy for you. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the message. But we closed it with a 90-day tithe challenge, which is basically a way to say we want to make it easy for you to start the journey of being a tither, which means you bring the first and the best, the first 10% of everything God gives you comes back to the house to do ministry. We gave you lots of reasons why we, as Christ followers, should be generous. If you choose to take the challenge, you get to the end of 90 days and you've been faithful in your tithe and you figure like, hey, that wasn't worth it, that's not for me, we'll give you your money back. You have nothing to lose. We recognize, that feels like a gimmick, it is. But we recognize that God's faithful and we've done this five or six years and nobody's ever come back because people find out one of the best ways you can live your life is like Jesus, being generous and being a part of what God's doing in this world and being givers and tithers. Amen? So I'd encourage you to check that out. You can go to our website. I go to faith.com uh, slash 90 days. If you have more questions, it will answer it. And I hope you take that. Well, listen, I'm excited today because we're starting a brand new series entitled Fight Club. Everybody shout Fight Club. That means we'll be doing some fighting during this series. And I want to encourage you to be here throughout this series. Typically, we preach in a series, which means we will take a topic or a subject, and for four, five, six weeks, we'll talk about that topic. Specifically, this series, oftentimes the first message is really just to kind of lay out where we're going to go. So I promise you, you're going to leave today probably with more questions than you leave with answers. Come back and bring some people with you. There's a lot of conversation to have in the things that you and I need to and should be fighting for in our lives. So again, uh, just hear this first message, come back for the rest of them, and let's grow together. Amen? Well, listen, several years ago, I went down to, my wife and I were going down to meet uh, Pastor Mitch and Mary. They were not yet on staff. Most of you know we've been friends for a long time. At that time, they lived in South Carolina. We lived right here in Florence, Alabama. And kind of the halfway point that we thought we could hang out for a weekend and enjoy each other's company was to go to Atlanta. So we drove down, had dinner, did a couple things. And at some point, we decided to go to the lo local shopping center or mall. It was packed out. It was bananas. This place was crazy crowded. And like the fine gentleman I am, I dropped everybody off of the door and I said, I'll go find a parking spot. Well, everybody else had like the same idea. I mean, there was just no parking spots to be found anywhere. I'm circling like the parking lot, like the nation of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness, <laughs> praying somebody please leave. And like nobody's leaving finally. And, and some of you have done this before. You see somebody come out of the mall and you creep behind them. Like they think you're there to kidnap them and you just want their spot. So this person walks all the way out and I see them and they get in their car and they put the reverse lights. So I'm waiting patiently in the aisle and as this car backs out, I see it happening and there's nothing I can do. This car comes racing around the other side and goes in this spot really quick. 
And I would love to tell you that I took the high road. <laughs> but I was so, man, it, I mean, I had already been waiting really 10, 15, 20 minutes looking for a spot, finally had one. So I just had, to, I didn't have to, but I rolled my window down. And I, I don't even remember what I said. I mean, it was pretty like, really? I mean, I can't believe it. And this, it was a female driver, not that that has anything to do with it, but she, she jumps out of the car. And I don't remember what I said, but she said more. And right behind her getting out and saying something, uh, a guy gets out of the passenger seat. And he's way bigger than she is. And, uh, and so it, it was not, I didn't say a lot. It was a little bit wordy. And, uh, you know, is immediately like, and you all have experienced this, like the devil pops up on my shoulder. And is like, you gonna let him talk to you like that? You gonna let him take your parking spot? <laughs> and, you know, I'm like in this moment of conflict and this happens so fast, but this guy gets out and they're kind of, uh, and I really think like, I just need to drive on. And before I do three or four more guys, like it was like a clown car in the circus. These huge guys get out of the back. And uh, one guy lifts up his shirt. He's got a gun. Like, it went south quick. That, like, that all really happened. And I just, I drove away. This isn't how I really rolled my window because I was like, but see, so y'all know. But I did shout at him. I did say, Jesus said, treat people the way you want to be treated. Like, <laughs> let's get the Christian thing out there. Like, just so you know, like, it's, Jesus would not like you taking my parking spot. But here's what's crazy. It really was this moment of, like tension. It was kind of a fight, a little bit of an argument. And here's the crazy thing is really, I mean, it, it's happened, but I was fighting for a parking spot. That ended up, it could have been escalated to a fight physically and maybe, just maybe, I could have lost my life for a parking spot. Now I think about that and I think about how many times things like that have happened in my life where I've fought for things that really at the end of the day are just kind of foolish. And I know I'm not the only one. Think about it for all of us at all of our campuses, how often we find ourselves investing lots of time, lots of passion, and lots of energy on things at the end of the day that really don't matter. We fight, come on, we fight about a lot of things. We fight, we fight other parents at the ball field. We fight coworkers over politics. We fight family members over foolishness. There are lots of things that we invest our time and we invest our energy fighting for that seem significant in the moment, but at the end of the day, they really don't matter. And so the goal of this conversation we wanna to have today and throughout this series is I want you to find out what it is that God wants you to fight for. There are things that are worth a fight. There are things that I believe that God wants for us that's worth your energy that's worth your passion, that's worth your time. And so my hope is that God will help us to see and to kind of sort out what are those things that deserve our attention. And once those things have your attention, my challenge is for all of us that you fight the fight. You put in the time and the energy and the effort necessary to have what it is that God wants you to have. So let's talk about what it is. What is it that God wants us to have? Well, you get to Genesis, it is the first book in the Bible, it's the creation story right in the beginning. And God, and some of you know this story, over the six days of creation, God, at the end of every day, he looks at what he made and he says, it is good. Everybody shout good. good. It's good. And he gets to the end of the six days of creation and he makes everything he's going to make. In Genesis chapter one, verse 31, he looks at everything he's just made and he says this, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was what? Very good. Everybody shout very good. Very. It's very good. So God makes all these things, and I want you to see specifically what he made for humanity, what he made for you, 
and what he made for me. Five things, and this is what we're gonna focus on throughout this series. The five things that God made were principles, God made people, God made provision, God made purpose, and God made a place. So when God made humanity, he gave us five things. How many things? Five things. God gave all of us principles, God gave us people, God gave us provision, God gave us purpose, and God gave us a place. God gave us principles. God gave us faith, what it means to have a relationship with our creator. God gave us the principles of worship, what it looks like to walk this thing out. God didn't just give us principles or faith, God gave us people. That looks different in all of our lives. Through this series, we're gonna talk about family, but we're gonna talk about friendships. If you're here and you're not married, this still includes you. Because God made it very clear that he didn't make us to live life alone. God wants us because he created us to have relationship. You have to fight for your relationships. It's not easy having friends. It's not easy being married. It's not easy having kids, but it's worth it if you'll do it right. It's worth fighting for your family, for your provision. Again, for us, this is a job. This is a career. This is our resources. God gave that to humanity in the beginning, and God still has that for us today. God gave us a purpose. Why are you here? We'll get into it in this series, but I just say this on the front end, that oftentimes we convolute and we put together our purpose and our provision, and those are not always the same thing. Your job isn't always your calling. And so those things are different. So why are you here? What is the meaning, not just of life, but of your life? Why are you on planet Earth? What is your purpose? And when you find out what it is, it's worth fighting for in a place. Everybody belongs somewhere. I didn't say this first service, but I'll say it here and word will get out. This will be the last message. We're going to talk about um, fighting for your church. And uh, we're going to have a free t-shirt, a couple thousand t-shirts. Every person that's here on that Sunday, we're going to give a free t-shirt that says, I love my church. So get here, make sure you're here. It's going to be a great way to end this series. But here's what I want you to see is that when God makes these five things, when God gives humanity these five, he looks at it and he says, it is very good. Everybody say very good. He says, it's complete. They have everything they need. And the reason we need to know that is because oftentimes we choose to pursue other things that aren't as necessary as the foundational five. And I believe with all in my heart, if the standard of good, who is God himself, looked at his creation and said, that's not just good, that's very good. I think what he was saying is, if you'll have these five, you'll have everything you need to live the life that I created you to live. Now you might hear these five and say, pastor, I'm not really sure how to get there. How do I find my people? How do I get the provision. And I believe this with all of my heart that all of us who are hearing this, you already have the five. You already have them. It's just a matter of how well you're fighting to maintain them and grow them. You may not have the career you want, but you're in a place where you can walk out your calling. You may not have as much finances as you think you would like to have in life, but you have resources that God has provided and he wants you to manage and steward those well. And so if we'll have the five, we'll walk in the five that God originally created. If we'll give our attention to fighting for the five, I believe we'll have everything that God wants us to have. Everybody shout fight club. So we'll talk about how do we fight? How do we get through this? Now, again, it's going to be a fight. And here's how we know it's going to be a fight is because after God creates everything, he puts mankind in the garden. Notice what he says in Genesis chapter two, verse 15. This is the instructions that he gives to Adam. Every voice read this says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over. He gives him two things. I need you to tend it and I need you to watch over it. Now, because this is a garden, let's have a garden conversation. The garden terminology of what God is telling Adam to do, two things, seeds and weeds. 
God is telling Adam and Eve, you need to be focused in the garden on what I've given you on seeds and weeds. Tend and watch over it. What he's saying is, you, if, if you want a harvest, if you want food to eat, it's just not going to grow on its own. You need to tend your garden, which means you got to put in the work. You're going to have to plow the ground. You're going to have to dig the hole. You're going to have to plant the seeds. You're going to, if you want a harvest, it's going to take you work. I just come to tell you, if you want a great marriage, it's going to take you work. If you want to manage resources, it's going to take you work. If you want to walk in your calling and your purpose, it's going to take you work. It will not happen automatically. You got to deal with seeds. And on the backside, you got to deal with weeds. Weeds are the things that tries to come against you financially, tries to come against your marriage, tries to come against your friendships. And so if you're not fighting the weeds and you're not planting seeds, you can't have the garden that God intended you to have, weeds and seeds. Since a lot of us in our campuses are not gardeners, let's move from garden terminology just to general terminology. He's not just saying weeds and seeds, he's saying work it and watch it. You gotta work your garden. The moment you stop working at it is the moment it stops working. When you stop working, it stops working. When you stop working at having a healthy marriage, when you stop working at date nights, you stop working to understand your partner, when you stop working and managing your resource, when you stop putting in the effort, it just stops working on its own. And so God says, listen, if you're going to have the paradise, remember, that's what, that's what Eden was. It was paradise. And God said, I've given you everything you need for paradise. You don't have to go out of paradise and get one more. You don't need seven things. You don't need six things. You just need the five. If you'll focus on the five, you can have paradise. But if you're going to keep it, you got to tend it and watch it. You got to seed it and weed it. You got to work it and you got to watch it. We have a swimming pool in our backyard. Love it. I don't swim in it a lot, but I just love the relaxation of sitting beside it. And now we have a, a, a beautiful granddaughter. She's one and a half years old. And so we already know coming into this summer, while we have this pool and we have to maintain it. When I say we, I mean Shauna. She is the pool boy at the Husky household. <laughs> Volunteer. I, I didn't make her do it. Not, I could even make her do it. Anyways, another conversation. We'll talk about that during marriage. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, you know, we recognize coming into the summer that kids fall into swimming pools tragically all the time and are hurt or die. And so we got to watch the pool. It's not enough just to swim in it. We got to work it and we have to watch it. What you need to know is some of you in this room, you have the five, but the reason you're struggling in your relationships is because you either quit working it or you quit watching it. And things are going to come in. Things are going to slide into your marriage. Things are going to slide into your desires. They're going to disrupt your finances. Things are going to try to get in the way of your calling and your purpose. Things are going to get in the way of us having the church that God wants us to have. And if you're not willing to fight for the five, you will lose the paradise God wants you to have. Everybody shout fight club fight for the five. We're going to talk about every week one of these five and help us maneuver through some strategies that God gives us to be healthy and to be successful. Now, what I think is really unique is when God gave the garden conversation to Adam and Eve. Again, they're in the garden, weeds and seeds. Here's what's crazy. Weeds were not an original part of paradise. Did you know that? There were no weeds in Eden until after the curse, after Adam and Eve disobeyed God and God cursed all of creation, that's when the ground started producing weeds, which makes you think, so if God told Adam, you got to watch it and tend it, you got to guard against weeds and there were no weeds, then what's the point of the warning? I'm glad you ask. It's because right after God sets everything in motion, sets humanity up for the five, for them to thrive, right in Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says this, and the serpent 
was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. We know how the story ends. In the middle of a perfect paradise, in slither Satan and chaos, our first parents, and they, he, we lose the belt of paradise to the enemy. We lost it. Why? Because Adam and Eve forgot to continue to fight for the paradise God gave. If you stop fighting, you will lose what God wants you to have. And it goes from not just paradise problems, it goes to promised land problems. Right? So the challenge is, he says, listen, I, I know you're going to have some battles. You're going to have some struggles. We have a fight right in paradise in Eden. They lose it. God tells, Adam, or God tells the nation of Israel, I have a promised land for you. I got another paradise. I have another place. The paradise that God wants the nation of Israel to walk into in the Old Testament is called the promised land. It's a, fl- it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's this way of saying back then it was like the perfect place to go. is the perfect place to live. Had everything they need. But here's what God said about paradise then. He said, you're going to have to possess the land. 70 times God tells the nation of Israel, hey, I'm going to take you into the promised land. You're going to have everything you need. Everything I created for you is there, but you got to possess the land. The word possess means fight. You're going to have to go fight to get it, and you're going to have to fight to keep it. You're going to have to fight to get it, and you're going to have to fight to keep it. There's people in the land that don't want you to have it, and there's people that's going to come in and bring their culture and their worship and their focus, and if you don't fight against it, you'll go their direction. So I'm going to give you the five, but you got to keep fighting to keep the five. And we know the story. They lose really the promised land because they quit fighting the fight. And here we are 2,000 years after Jesus, and I want everybody in this room to know, everybody in Lawrenceburg and everybody in Shoals, you are still in a fight for the five. God created you for five things. And constantly and consistently, we are all in a battle. If I got any one of you in a room, you could tell me about a conversation where you are struggling in at least one or more of the area of the five. Some of you in this room and some of you in Shoals, you're struggling financially. I know you think it's about how much money you make. And if you'd give me time to talk to you, I promise you, I probably could help most of you understand it's not how much you make, it's how you're managing what you have. As a pastor, one of the most disappointing, heartbreaking, frustrating, challenging, difficult things that anger me is when I see couples get divorced. No shade. If you've been divorced, I love you, I'm for you. But stop giving up on your marriage so easy. What do you think is on the other side? There's another woman with just as many problems as the one you got. There's a man on the other side of that marriage that has just as many problems as one. If you don't learn how to fight for the marriage you have, you're just going to lose the next one you get. Fight where you are. Fight for your kids. Fight for your calling. Fight for your provision. You got to fight in a way that God can honor the fight and fight with you. And so the battle's real for all of us. It's all over those five. And again, it's still alive today. Check this out in John chapter 10. This is how Jesus describes our fight for the five. He says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. says, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich inside. And how many people, when you hear that, how many people here choose to believe Jesus? That Jesus, his plan for you, his desire for me, for all of us, is that we experience and that we walk in a rich in satisfying life. That don't mean you won't have struggles. It doesn't mean you won't have challenges. What it means is if you'll fight in the middle of where God has you, you can have a rich and satisfying life. But you know what the reason we don't have it? It's because the front end. There's a thief that's come to steal and to kill. The same thief in paradise 
was the same thief in the promised land. It's the same thief we wrestle with today. There is a challenge that all, we're, all of us are facing, but here I think is pretty good news and I want you to gather some hope with. If you're in the middle of fighting for any of these areas of your life, you're not fighting alone because it's what God wants you to have. I want you to have some hope and confidence that God is fighting for us in the fight. There's lots of ways that God defines himself in, in scripture. He gives all these titles and here's a couple of them, that God is the Lord of heaven's armies. What he's saying is that I'm fighting for you. David over and over again says that he is our shield and he is our rear guard and he is our buckler. The Bible says he goes before us. It declares that he is an ever present help in time of trouble. What God is saying over and over and over again is, yeah, I know there's a thief that's come to steal, kill and destroy, but I want you to know that I am fighting for you. I'm going before you. You're not in this fight alone because I created you to have favor because I, or to have faith because I created you to have family because I created you to have finances. God says, I'm fighting for the very things that I created you to walk in, which means you're not in the fight alone. You can overcome your metal problems. You can overcome your budget challenges. You can overcome the things wrestling against your call. If you are willing to join the fight club, you can win. God's favor is on the fight. Everybody shout that. God's favor is on the fight. Do you believe that? God's favor is on the fight. God's favor is on the fight of the very thing you're in the middle of. And so when we engage in fighting this fight, and we'll talk about what that looks like, I believe that God's grace and the help of the Holy Spirit is behind that to help us to overcome and have everything that he wants us to have. Now I want to look at a verse in Ephesians chapter six, and I want us just to target one word here because the apostle Paul takes us into a conversation to talk about this fight. Again, you're not fighting. I'll say this when we talk about marriage, but for example, in marriage, if you're having problems in your marriage, the typical way to think about problems in marriage is that I'm fighting my spouse. It's me against Shauna. You're not fighting your spouse. You have to think about your fights different. It's not me versus Shauna. It's Shauna and I versus the problem. And if you'll put the fight on the right side, you'll fight. If it's you against your spouse, somebody always has to lose. And if someone loses in a relationship, everybody loses in the relationship. Are y'all track with me? But if everybody's on the same side and you're fighting the problem, all of a sudden you can win as a couple. You can win in a calling. You can win in your provision. You can win if you will fight the fight. Come on. So I want you to listen to what Paul says about this spiritual fight that we're in. Again, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is he trying to steal? He's trying to steal the five. He's trying to steal your principle. He's trying to steal your provision. He's, start, he's trying to steal your call. He's trying to steal what it is that God wants to bless you with. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, he says this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. What Paul is trying to get us to understand is some of the tension that we all experience in these five areas. Yeah, there are real tangible things that we experience just a part of this world. We are wrestling an economy, but he's saying your real battle is not the economy, it's the enemy. You're gonna have some tension when you have more than one person in a relationship, which is the definition of a relationship. When you put two people with different backgrounds and different viewpoints, raised different ways, they're naturally gonna see things differently. But your battle isn't with your spouse. Sometimes it's with Satan. There is a real spiritual battle happening in the background of all the fights that you and I have about things that really matter. 
So if you're struggling in the five, it's because the enemy is trying to steal from you what God wants you to bless, what God wants to bless you with. Jesus created us to live life and life to the full, and you can have it if you'll fight for the five. But the enemy doesn't want you to experience the life that Jesus came came to bring. So that's where the tension is. But Paul, he says, we're not fighting. We're not fighting flesh and blood enemies. Again, it's it's not the economy. It's it's not our spouse. It's not. It's not all these things. There's a spiritual battle in the background. But what's interesting to me is he uses this word fighting. Everybody shout fighting, fighting. There's all these words he could have used. There's lots of words, just the same way in the English language. There's lots of different words to say fight. We're in a scuffle. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. We're in a war. There were lots of words that the apostle Paul could have used in the original Greek language to describe this spiritual fight we're in. Lots of words that were available to him, but he chose one very specifically. He chose this word. And if you're taking notes, write this down. You can look it up later if you want. It's a four-letter word, P-A-L-E. Pale is how it's pronounced. He said, for we are not fighting flesh and blood enemies. Our fight, our pale, P-A-L-E. He says, this is the fight we're in. And here's why this word is so important is because this word triggered the imagination of first century readers. This Greek word meant something to them that in our culture we've lost. The word pale is the root word of a word that happened in their, in their culture, in, their, uh, in Rome, in the Greek empire. And then in Rome, it was palestra. The palestra was kind of like the local YMCA. YMCA, we go to the YMCA and you can do lots of things at the YMCA. You can take yoga classes and Pilates classes and swimming. Basically, you go there to build some relationship, but really to kind of get physically fit. Well, in the Roman Empire, there were these places called the palestra. Everybody say palestra. Palestra was kind of like the local YMCA, but there were kind of three classes that took place there. There were classes for wrestling, there were classes for boxing, and there was classes for something called pankstration. And the first one, wrestling, were kind of for younger kids. They could kind of learn to, to grapple and grow physically and build some discipline. And when people got a little bit more older and a little more uh, capable, then they grew kind of into boxing. And boxing was far more, for, uh, far more difficult in Rome than it is today. You didn't wear a headgear, you wore a helmet because you could lose your life in a boxing match. So it went from wrestling to boxing to pankstration. And what they would do in this, this was the real deal. It was far worse, far more challenging, far, far more difficult than MMA today because there were no rules. It was a no hold bar battle. You could gouge, you could pinch, you could bite, you could pull hair. You're like, I would never pull hair. Sissies pull hair. Not if you're losing. Oh, get, let, me get a hand, let me get a handful of hair. You could do whatever you want. You could break. The goal was to get your opponent to either submit or die. And oftentimes during this season, it was the latter where people would rather lose their life than to walk out a loser. And so when the apostle Paul is painting this picture and he strategically uses this word, pale, to point to the palestrum, so he knew when his readers read it, it's a real fight. The fight you're in for the five that God wants us to walk in and experience, you have a real spiritual enemy. And when he looks at you, there's no rules. He's all in. He's 100%. He wants you to tap out. That's why some of you tapped out on your relationship and tapped out on best friends and you tapped out on your calling because we have a real spiritual enemy that he is 100% in the fight to get you to lose what God wants you to have. What God wants is for us to fight 110% in with him having our back and we can win and experience all that he has for us. 
You have to fight. Everybody shout fight. You got to fight. It's a real spiritual battle. Now, here's the challenge, and this is what it looks like, is I've never answered the door and the devil was standing there. I've never seen the devil. I've never arm wrestled the devil. I've never had a physical fight with the devil. But yet Paul says our real battle is spiritual. What does that mean? The way the enemy fights is he fights between our ears. He fights with lies and deceptions. And I believe part of what that looks like in the five is this, is either he convinces us we don't have to fight or we're in a fight we can't win. Either we don't have to fight. Like some of you are just convinced that you're married now and 10 years you're gonna be married and 20 years you're gonna be married. And I would say, if you're not fighting for a healthy marriage, it may not be here in five years or 10 years or 20 years. And some of you are just convinced, like you're just gonna wake up and life's gonna keep rolling. God's like, wait a minute. You have to tend it and watch it. Seeds and weeds, watch it and work it. So some of you, you're convinced, I don't have to fight. It's because the devil taught you. You don't have to fight. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't fight, you're in trouble. The flip side is what the enemy whispers to us is, you can't win. You tried to budget. You tried to save your marriage. You tried to restore relationships that were on the brink of being lost. You're like, I just, I just, it's not worth fighting for. I can't win that fight. And when you say you can't win, you're calling into question the one who promised you you can. You're calling into the question, not just your ability, but God's ability, who said he's fighting for you. And so the enemy, man, he's just a liar. I woke up today, and this happens to me from time to time. So you understand my own spiritual battle been getting ready for this series for a couple months, spent a bunch of time in the last couple weeks, this past week, processing and thinking. I'm laying awake every, every Sunday morning. I wake up, my alarm goes off and I grab my phone and I just go through my notes again, trying to memorize my notes. And I pray about the day and I'm laying there this morning getting ready for this message. And, and I just, the, the enemy whispers to me the same way he whispers, he whispers to you. And I'm laying there and this is what I sense in my heart is like, you really think a 35-minute message is going to change or save a marriage that's been struggling for three years? You really think you talking on a platform for, for 30 minutes is going to change anybody's life? You're not going to change anybody's life. That's, and I have to choose not to listen to the whisper of the enemy. And I have to choose to believe that his word is as true in my life as it is in your life. And God said, my word will go forth and it will accomplish the things for which I've sent it. And I just want you to know something. It's not about me. It's about who God is. And when you hear God's word and the revelations in your heart and God puts a word in you, he can change you forever. And so I got to fight the same way you got to fight. I have to believe I can win the same way you can believe you have to believe you can win, but you got to fight for what matters. And it's not all these things the world says you need to add or accumulate or put on your resume. If we will fight for the five God created us to have, if we'll fight in a way that honors the Lord and we fight the enemy that's fighting us, you can have life and you can have it to the full if you'll fight, if you'll fight. So, you know, it's, um, again, the challenge I think is just fighting for the right things. We went down to, uh, to Cancun last week, uh, me and Pastor Adam and Pastor Ronnie and our, our wives, we were suffering for Jesus. It was horrible. It was brutal. <laughs> I hope you all saw and just interceded for us. And uh, I won't tell you who else did this. I'm just going to tell you what I did. But I, I really like ice cream. I mean, really like ice cream. It has a hold on me. Y'all need to pray. And so there's nothing worse than free ice cream. And so the resort we're at is all you can eat, all you can drink. I didn't drink anything I shouldn't have drank or didn't drink, but I had way too much ice cream. 
When I say I had too much ice cream, I had ice cream with every meal. I'm talking about in the morning we woke up and had eggs and bacon and ice cream. And for lunch we had, you know, sandwiches and chips and ice cream and went and had a snack and had ice cream and dinner we had ice cream. We went one night after a restaurant with dessert, we went across and had some more ice cream. Horrible, sweet Lord Jesus. <laughs> and this morning I told my wife, I said, babe, you getting on the scale? She said, I'm not getting on the scale. And I regret, but I got on that scale. And I swear it lied to me. I was like trying to stand like this to make sure. <laughs> I gained 10 pounds in a week. I know. That's what I said. I know. How is that possible after only eating ice cream four, four times a day for a week? And I'd love to tell you I ate small quantities. I didn't. <laughs> and so yesterday I woke up and I thought, I just got to get back in it. Got to get back to the gym. Got to get back in a routine. And so I went to the gym, worked out. Already today thinking about what I'm going to eat after this. Here, here's my point is like already thinking about what I ate, how much weight I gained, how, what I need to get back on track, discipline. That's not wanting one of the five. I'm not saying your health doesn't matter. It does. I'm not saying your weight doesn't matter. It does. Think about all the things you are fighting for that don't matter. If you have a million dollars in the bank but lose your marriage in the journey, you lose. If you're the healthiest person in this church and you have abs of steel, good for you, and I will be jealous. But if your finances are upside down and you can't sleep at night because you're in debt, you lose. God says, here's the five. And from his perspective, that's paradise. It's very good. And you can have two of the five, three of the five, four of the five, and it's only good. But if you'll get all five functioning in your life, you can experience the life that Jesus came to bring. And so if you're here and you're like, Pastor, like I, I tried to fight and I lost. I was the only one fighting and I've lost relationships and I'm, I'm struggling financially. Here's what I want you to hear. There's a promise in 20, Proverbs 24. We'll end with this. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they'll get up again. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. My goal today is to inspire every one of you here in Florence and every one of you in Lawrenceburg and everyone in Shoals and everyone watching this. If you have failed in the five, if you struggled in the five, if you tapped out on the five, you can start over again today with God's grace and you may have fallen, but you get to get up again. And your future isn't determined by how hard you fall, but by how hard you fight. It's not determined by how hard you fall, but by how hard you fight. How many people in this room want to fight for the things that matter? I'm not asking you, I know you're struggling. Keep your hand up. If you're, you're struggling, but you just want to fight, God will fight for you. God will fight through you. If you'll figure out the five what's important, and you put your energy and effort there, God will have your back. And I'm believing over these five weeks, we're gonna see finances restored. We're gonna see marriages restored. I'm believing some of you are gonna figure out your call and your purpose and your function in life, why God put breath in your lungs and you're gonna live with a whole new passion. Some of you are gonna fight for your church. It's not a building to show up to. It's not a building to show up to. It's an organization and a, an organism to function in that we're in this thing together. I want a healthy church. I want a growing church. Come on, somebody. We're gonna fight for the things that matter and we're experience the life that Jesus came to bring. Come on. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm so grateful, Lord, for your promise. Lord, I know there's so many of us, God, that are hearing this, and there's already excuses of why we can't.
of how we tried in the past and we just could never get there. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we will know that it's your goal. It's how you created us to function. It's how you wired our paradise, how you put together our promised land and we can experience it. And so Lord, I pray God all the other things we've been pursuing that God will push aside and we will focus our passion on the big five. And so Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, we commit this journey to you. God, we pray you will restore us and you will focus us. And God, you will help us to experience life and life to the full in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees that, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise.